The Guardian. This podcast contains conversations about violent crime, which some listeners may find disturbing. Parental guidance for children is strongly advised. Some of our participants have changed their names for this podcast. Whenever there's like a lot of youth together, there's most of the time there's problems and like knives get pulled out, guns, fights, everything. London is home to half of Britain's teenage stabbing deaths. But not all of London is equally dangerous. Most deaths occur in the outer ring, with black kids particularly at risk. When they're angered, they're not thinking beyond three days. They want to inflict pain now. They want to go out and do what they need to do now. And then when they've done what they've done, that's when they think about the consequences after. Last year, The Guardian tracked all the deaths of young people due to knife crime and explored the themes that emerged in an award-winning series, Beyond the Blade. Throughout the year, we saw many people suffering, but we also saw many, like Jags in Croydon, that were fighting back. We've got to start looking at how we talk and how we generalise and how we categorise just ordinary people that are poorer than other people or people who don't have as much as other people because it's not fair and we don't live in a fair society but I think we need to look at solutions in which we help to change that mindset. I don't think there's been much investigation of what happens with girls behind the scenes of boys in gangs. From the conversation at JAGS, we learned that while schools could do more and the media could stigmatise less, community activists in the local black community aren't sitting back and waiting for help. They're trying to forge their own solutions. So they come and talk to us, and I think that's what they need. They need someone older to come along, to spend time with them, not just to say, all right, cool, you're wrong, and whatever, and then go. It's to actually sit down with them, understand them. They just need someone to understand them. They want time. Rather than report on their conversations, we let them speak for themselves. If families are fractured, that has an impact on a young person. If a father and a mother get divorced, that has an impact on our young people. If at school they're being looked down upon because of their sex, then obviously that's another fracture. And then you look at all the other fractures that they have. And I think the only way they know how to make their voice known or make people sit up and say, listen, there's a real problem going on here is by violence. I'm Gary Yan, and this is Beyond the Blade. Jags is based in Central Croydon on High Street in the Carers Information Centre. My name's Tracy, Tracy Ford. Um, I founded Jags Foundation following the murder of my 17 year old son 10 years ago. Yeah, just so you know, basically. What I do now is 
raise the awareness of youth on youth violence so that we help young people to understand about the devastation and consequences of their sudden actions. And we've come into Croydon because Andre was born in Croydon and um, I don't live in Croydon but um, I bought my first house in Croydon and Andre was born in Mayday and before I lost Andre I had a small business that I was running and we were based in Croydon. My name's Troy, I'm the Digital Marketing Apprentice at Drugs Foundation and I've been working here for four months now. So I was coming back from a party a few weeks ago and the bus was full up with like teens my age and there was two boys who go into confrontation and then within about two minutes of arguing um, one took off his backpack and pulled out like a 15-inch Rambo and he had the back, he put on the balaclava as well. And then the other boy was saying to him, if you want to stab me, then take off the balaclava. He nearly got stabbed, but then luckily, one of the boy's friends dragged him away and took him off the bus. And that was like kind of scary at the time because I was literally sitting in between them because there was like a seat away in the bus and I was thinking, am I going to get stabbed as well? Would I have to speak about it? What's going to happen? Was blood going to go into me and everything? But luckily the situation um, got diffused, but it was like a very close call. Whenever there's like a lot of use together, there's most of the time there's problems and like knives get pulled out, guns, fights, everything. This is just normal everyday living for young people. That that sort of incident is not something that we as adults experience, but it's something that young people are having to live with daily. Because people are being young people are stabbing each other daily. We've had three stabbings along within a hundred yards of our office in the last few weeks. It's like, it's a daily or weekly occurrence that we have a stabbing in Gordon. Hi, my name is Darnell. I'm a youth worker. Um, I work in youth ministries and I work in the local community with our young people. How have you found children's behaviours change throughout your career and education? I have found that our young people's behaviour has changed quite dramatically. Me, myself, being in school, I was quite um, loud. I was quite rude, disrespectful, hyper. Um, I loved sport and there were certain other subjects I didn't like. 
And I think a lot of my friends were around the same. There wasn't really much in the aggressive side. It was more friendly, more fun, more outgoing type of young person. That's what we were. I think now our young people are more stifled. They're more angry. I think there are a lot of issues that our schools are creating and have created that cause um, our young people to be very disorientated with school and education. And I think education has lost its foundational roots in terms of dealing with the holistic young person, not just the educational young person. Um, so I think that what happens is, is that our young people then turn out to hate education and hate those who are seen to be um, teachers of that education. A little, tiny little presentation. We'll try not to bore you. Hi, my name's Ben. I'm a youth worker as well. Um, I have a passion to work with young people. I work with young people in schools and in the community. Now, um, the teachers, I believe teachers only teach the educational side of things. They always say, well, you need to do this, you have to do that, you have to do that with no explanation. So when you speak to the young people, all they hear is, well, I have to do this, I have to do that with no explanation behind it for why or why it's important. So when we come along now and we speak to young people and we say education is important, they're like, well, well, why? Because, the, and then we turn around and say to them, because it can open up different avenues for you and different doors and take you to places that not having education can't take you. Now, there are some people out there that don't have an education and they still make it as a millionaire, but how many people are like that? There's only one Bill Gates. So I had one student that came up to me and said, well, why is school important, sir? Like, I don't want to be in school. I said, school will set the foundation for what you know. Now, even if you don't go into um, a scientific field, you still have an understanding of how certain things work that will help you go places that you think it can't take you but it can so i think the life being taught about life on top of the education has been taken away from schools and from our young people now i guess our Raising awareness of youth on youth violence is something that's that I'm really passionate about because I just think that young people are not being able to fulfil their lives because there is so much youth on youth violence. And JAGS has, has come about following, like I said, the murder of my son and we were first offering peer support to other families who were tragically bereaved. Um, in the first four or five years because in the first year that Andre died we lost 28 young people under 20. So when we're looking at teenagers that number has now gone to way over 300 in 10 years. So there's this, this the whole thing for us is about okay so young people are still committing murder against each other so what can we do? We go into schools, we do no silence to violence workshops. We run programmes for, particularly for young women and girls, because we think that young girls are actually being excluded from the whole societal 
issues that young people are facing and we think that girls have a big role to play in that. Their sisters, their girlfriends, their cousins, their friends at schools and we feel that the young women can actually help to change the situation. Whether that's true or not, I believe that we need to do something different to what's already been done 10 years down the line. We're in the same situation, the children are still dying and I just think we need to look at doing things differently. My name is Danu. I volunteer here at JAGS and I learned about this foundation through my school who sent me here for work experience. So what sort of stuff did they like? I don't think there's been much investigation of what happens with girls behind the scenes of boys and gangs. What, what do you think needs to be investigated around girls? What, what, what's your experience, or anybody else actually, because you all work with girls as well. Is there any more you could speak to that? how girls, what their roles are when they have boyfriends in gangs and then maybe they have brothers who are in gangs, how they feel the media should investigate, how girls may support gangs and youth violence. I think sometimes it's unintentional as well. There are a few cases where girls have been sentenced for their role in murders like the recent murder of Jermaine Gopal just at Green Lane in Thornton Heath. And I think that there's a whole issue about young young girls or, or sisters or even friends and cousins who maybe don't feel that they're contributing because they, they most probably feel that what they're doing is, is OK. If I talk to a guy in Brixton and then I go and talk to a guy in Thornton Heath, what's wrong with that? But if you're living in that area, that's the no-no. You don't talk to guys in Brixton and then come and talk to guys where you live because that can be seen as a disrespect. It can be seen as you just don't do that. It's like crossing the line. And I think sometimes girls can be abused. Girls can be beaten up. Girls can see it as it's just something that I want to do. So she's going to, she's going to, you know, end up being just as bad as some of the guys because you're not taking a liberty with me. My name is Fenella and I'm a Cat Jack Foundation. Uh, I'm a project coordinator here and I've been here for over three years. When I was younger, there was a lot of more kind of like after school activities. There was play centres where I went to, like Dick Shepherd Play Centre. There was kind of loads more for us to do, even through the summer holidays. And like now, there's not much for the young people to actually do. There are some youth centres, but it's not targeted at the young people that are out there, say, committing the crime or selling drugs and so forth. It's not for them. And just getting football courts or music, that's what I see quite a lot. Boxing clubs, football clubs. That's not just the way forward for our men and girls. There's more, and they need to know that there's more. I said, there's kind of different ages in here. So when I was growing up, we was sent to play outside from morning right through to night time. But obviously you go outside for your lunch, you go inside for dinner, but it was outside. Now these kids, they're not playing and they just want to go out and they want to earn money. I don't know, it's just, it's just crazy. Something needs to be done and 
And I think personally, it takes the whole, not politics and everybody and just blaming that person, that person, that person. It takes the estate to raise your child. If everyone looks out for everyone's child, in it doesn't have to be in a state, it could just be on the street. Look out for each other. Let that child know that I know what you've done or I'm I live at this number. If you need anything, if you want something to eat, it's a closed door policy. It's a closed door policy on estates and in streets. If it was open door, then I think we'd have a better, more better solution, a better understanding for our young people. What are three characteristics of an idol teacher? I think the teachers that we have currently, um, unfortunately we don't have um, the teachers that we need for our young people. So I think the turnover in our academies is ridiculous. So sometimes you can have a staff turnover of 14 staff members um, and then there's other times where you could have a turnover of 35. That wipes out maybe two or three um, subjects at a time. And I think the inconsistencies then affect our young people. They don't grow up with the same teacher. When I was in school, I had my sports teacher was my teacher. So whenever he knew my, he had a relationship with my mum, he had a relationship with my dad, he had a relationship with my family. So if I got in trouble, my parents would be going to talk to him to find out what happened. And he took the time to get to know me. So I think one of the characteristics of a good teacher is getting to know their students, spending that quality time with their student to find out what type of student they're dealing with. Um, and what it takes to sustain their achievements. I think number two is longevity. Um, I think because our society is inconsistent at the moment, what happens is that feeds into our young people, which means that whenever their teachers are inconsistent, their grades will be inconsistent, their relationships are inconsistent. And if we constantly teach our young people to be inconsistent in life, then what happens is they grow up as flaky adults. Um, I think the third thing is care. I think care is really, really, really important. Sorry. Sorry, Ben. I think care is really important. I think because young people want to feel valued. Um, they want to be looked after. They want to know that everything will be all right. They want to know there's an adult on the other side of their learning structure that understands and that will take the time to care about, not just them academically, but their, them pastorally in terms of social life, in terms of home life, in terms of mental health, in terms of emotional health, in terms of puberty, because a lot of our young people don't understand puberty. Um, so there's a lot of areas that teachers, I already named three, but there are a lot of areas that teachers do need to have in order to allow our young people to become holistic in their way of life. And, and again, I think it's about how do we help teachers to understand some of the pressures of, of young people of today? And that teaching for some teachers is a career and for some teachers, it's just a living, it's just the way that they live. And I think that teachers also need to just have that little bit of training when they're doing their teacher training about some of the social issues that they're coming into some of the areas that they're working in because let's face it a lot of teachers can be young white middle class coming down from university don't really know london 
don't really understand about the demographics of some of the areas, some of the children that they're going to be working with. And some teachers may not have even engaged with children from BME backgrounds before. So it's about how do they, how are they not made to feel frightened of a five foot 11 year old young black male whose voice is broken, that's not gonna hit you. But you may feel very intimidated just by his presence. invited quite a lot of young men to come today and I think there's this this distrust of the media there's just this whole negativity about I'm not talking to you because you don't care about what really happens in my life all you want to say is I'm in a gang and it's the gangs that's responsible for all the stabbings so I think there's a whole thing about how do we build the trust of young people to talk to the media in a way that they feel they're going to be represented because let's face it some children like the negativity some some children buy into that peer pressure of I'm going to do what Troy wants me to do because I'm going to look good in Troy's eyes but I think sometimes there's young people that don't want to be like that but they just don't have that resilience or that kind of internal strength to think I don't want to be different because I'm going to be picked on or and rather than take the chance they just blend in and fit in. And I think it's the whole thing about the trust of the media. You're, you're hearing little bits of what young people are saying through another medium, not through the young people themselves. We have to find a way of making young men who the young people can feel a part of or feel to be a part of that group, for them to now be able to make their own little podcast to say, this is what we really feel about Croydon. This is what we really feel about when we get excluded from school. What are our opportunities? We ain't got none. We go to a Prue, we're not going to get any qualifications. So if we can easily make money selling drugs, that's what we're going to do. We have to be really open about where young people can make money and have opportunity. They don't feel they're going to be able to be a journalist. They don't feel they're going to be able to go and get a job in Google. They don't see that as their way of being able to be part of society. They don't want to go and work in McDonald's. They don't want to go and work in Asda and Sainsbury's. They don't want those jobs because those jobs are not going to pay them as much as if they go and sell some drugs on the street. Anybody in life wants something better for themselves than what they've had. So we need to have this culture of where we stop blaming parents and, and classifying parents as troubled families. I mean, come on, if, if I'm living at home and my family's got the title of we're a troubled family, then I'm troubled. You know, and I think we've got to start looking at how we talk and how we generalise and how we categorise just ordinary people that are poorer than other people or people who don't have as much as other people because it's not fair. 
and we don't live in a fair society, but I think we need to look at solutions in which we help to change that mindset. I want my grandson to grow up in London where he feels safe, not where he feels I can't go on the road or I can't go and visit my auntie or I can't go and see my cousin because what, what, if I get on a bus I might get stabbed. This is something I think about all the time, but solutions, I don't really know. I think maybe a curfew for young people of a certain age would be good. So it keeps people off the street after a certain time. And then if you are found on the street, then there's like serious consequences. I think that would be a good way of stopping like nighttime violence, maybe. I would say that the older generation has forgotten about the younger generation, so they don't bother talking to them. So when I go into the school and I talk to my students, you can clearly tell that no one's taken time out to actually sit down and speak with them. So when I talk to them, I say, Kill, what's going on with you? Why are you thinking like this? Why does this lead to you doing this action? And then when they have the conversation and I challenge them on it, you can tell that what I'm saying is true and it sits with them, but because they've grown up just being we say unruly and doing what they want to do like you can see the internal battle going on on the inside of them so then when they come back the next day they're like okay cool sir so they come and talk to us and i think that's what they need they need someone older to come along to spend time with them not just to say all right cool you're wrong and whatever and then go it's to actually sit down with them understand them they just need someone to understand them they want time why, why is the care gone I was saying closed doors. People go home and they close the doors and they're not interacting with the kids on the estates or streets. They're just going in and that's it, they don't care. I just had a question. I thought it had been a really um, like interesting and broad and insightful conversation about society and how people can like support other people. But what I'm struggling to get is why knives? Like why have all of a sudden kids started using knives? Or is it all of a sudden? Yeah, there were knives when I was growing up, but it wasn't, there was gun crime and knife crime, but it wasn't so prevalent back then. But now I think it's, one, it's accessible and it's fashion. And it does what they want to do very quickly in the young people. Because when I was younger, it wasn't 15, 14 year olds carrying knives, 13 and 12. It was teenagers and in their 20s. But now the 13, 14 year olds are just getting access to it so quickly. When they're angered, they're not thinking beyond three days they want to inflict pain now mm -hmm. they want to go out and do what they need to do now and then when they've done what they've done that's when they think about the consequences mm -hmm. after so when they're out there and you can quickly access and buy i think it's just the norm now and the media as well obviously always publicizes knife crime stabbing this that so it's kind of more out there in the social media world and instagram and for, it's just everywhere stabbing 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 so they kind of emphasise on the weapon of itself. So now it's just more and more.
and kids are carrying them all. I think also um, we have to look at the holistic young person and I think when you fracture young people in some of the ways that we see our young people being fractured, I think what happens then is the only thing left is violence. I think once we look at schooling as a business rather than a pastoral support of our young people, because I think some of the issues that our young people are going through right now, some of them are very horrendous. And I think the only way young people know how to communicate how they feel is violence. If families are fractured, that has an impact on a young person. If a father and a mother get divorced, that has an impact on our young people. If at school they're being looked down upon because of their sex, then obviously that's another fracture. And then you look at all the other fractures that they have. And I think the only way they know how to make their voice known or make people sit up and say, listen, there's a real problem going on here, is by violence. And it's unfortunate that we don't look at it in the earlier stages and deal with it there. But because we don't, what happens is as they get to 11, 12, 13, 14, and they're carrying weapons and they are stabbing each other, all of a sudden the whole country wakes up and says, hold on, our young people are killing each other, what's going on? Why haven't we seen this before? And there were signs, but because we sometimes overlook certain signs or little signs, we don't necessarily see until it's too late. And now we're in a stage where it's too late. And we now have to catch up to the young people to kind of get them to stop doing something they've been doing for years. Most media reports on knife crime leave us with a sense of learned hopelessness. Not just as though nothing could be done, but as though nothing is being done. Jags, and the great work that Chelsea is doing, illustrates just how untrue and unfair that characterisation really is. Behind the sensationalist headlines and salacious sound bites, real people are doing real work across the country to turn back the tide. With Beyond the Blade, we've sought to get behind the statistics that shine some light on how this was being lived and resisted, provide the facts that could help us make sense of what's happening, and challenge the kind of preconceptions that have been allowed to fester. Thanks for joining us on this painful, but we think necessary, journey. Special thanks to Tracy, Troy, Darnell, Ben, Danu and Fenella. If you want to find out more about Jags Foundation, We'll include a link to their website in the episode's description on the Guardian website. 
If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed, you can find advice and support at victimssupport.org.uk, knifecrimes.org or samaritans.org. We've included links to these organisations in the episode's description page at theguardian.com. This podcast featured Tracy, Troy, Darnell, Ben, Danu and Fenella. And from The Guardian, Caroline Bannock, Grace Shooty, Shanida Scotland and Lindsay Poulton. This podcast was produced by Max Sanderson with Tracy, Troy, Darnell, Ben, Danu, Fenella, Caroline Bannock, Grace Shooty, Shanida Scotland and Lindsay Poulton. And the presenter was Gary Young. If you want to find out more about our Beyond the Blade project, head to theguardian.com and search Beyond the Blade. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.